Welcome to Exhale Bible Discovery. Each week, we'll take a deep dive into the Bible, going line by line and chapter by chapter to discover the truths that God has for us in His Word. This is Dr. Paula McDonald, and this is Exhale Bible Discovery. We are starting our brand new study, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. These are the letters written to the church in Corinth by the Apostle Paul, and we'll go through that chapter by chapter. This lesson is on the introduction. So we need to understand, before we jump into these books, who Paul is, what his purpose was, and about the church of Corinth. So let's start out in this first division by talking about Paul and his purpose. Well, he was born around AD 10 as Saul of Tarsus. You can find this in Acts 21, 39. He was raised in the Jewish tradition as a well-learned Jew. And because of this, he would have memorized much of the Old Testament as was expected. So Saul was also a skilled tent maker. And I find this so interesting that Saul would have been a tent maker since we know that after his conversion to Christianity, he would be the one to bring the tabernacle or the tent to others in order to teach them about Christ through the church. The church was the temple, the tabernacle. And just as the temple became the place to commune with God after the use of tents. Saul, being skilled in physically building them, now he was spiritually building the temple of Christ. There's nothing accidental about these things in the Bible. And the Hebrew meaning of tabernacle means a residence or dwelling place. And that means, as Christians and believers, we are now that temple or that tabernacle because Christ and his spirit dwell within us. And in early Israel, the tabernacle or the tent was a physical thing, and it was something that was continually set up wherever the community moved. But Paul was also one of the privileged elite who studied in what we would call a seminary. He was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, or what you would call the Jewish Supreme Court. It is believed that he sat with the Sanhedrin and thereby he learned the Jewish legal system inside and out. So he's a very intelligent man. Prior to God calling him, Saul was actually responsible for the cruel and awful treatment and persecution of many Christians. He was a staunch and legalistic Jew, and he believed the teachings of Jesus violated Mosaic law. He was known to harass Christians, have them thrown in jail, and sometimes even murdered. Acts chapter 7, verse 58, we know that Saul was present as Stephen was stoned to death. Saul, along with others, watched as he was killed. And we know the reason Saul was on the famous road to Damascus when he had his conversion was because he was actually going there to imprison more Christians. And so it is believed that his conversion occurred when he was in his early 20s, 
somewhere between A.D. 32 and 35. And this was when the famous encounter for Saul happened on that road to Damascus. So let's talk about Paul Saul's conversion. He was on the famous road as he continued his persecution of Christians. And it's in an amazing account from Acts 9 where we learn how Saul is struck down by a bright light. And it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the verse begins with Saul threatening those who believe in Jesus. He specifically requested to go to the region where they were, known to be congregating, and he specifies both men and women, thereby demonstrating his utter hatred of these Jesus followers. And next, we read where this light from heaven flashed around him, causing him to fall to the ground. And obviously, this is a very different kind of light. The word flash along describes the powerful light that caused a full-grown man to simply be struck down to the ground. And interestingly, we know this light only affected Saul and not the other men whom he was traveling with. In verse 7, the men were speechless as they heard that sound, but they did not see anyone. We know Saul, however, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And after that light, Saul hears Jesus specifically telling him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So here, Jesus identifies that it is he who is speaking to Saul. He goes on to tell him that it is he who is persecuting Jesus, and that Jesus then gives Saul specific instructions to get up, go into the city, and wait for further instructions. Now, that had to be pretty crazy for him. And when he got up and he opened his eyes, he could not see. And he remained blinded for three days while in Damascus, where he was led by the men he was with. So can you imagine all the confusion and the questions of the other men uh, that ensued after this event? And well, next, we learn of a man named Ananias, who was a disciple. The Lord called him in a vision who told him to go to a specific house on Straight Street and ask for a man named Saul. That's pretty specific instructions. And the Lord tells Ananias that this man is praying, and he also had a vision of a man named Ananias who will come place his hands on him to restore his sight. So Ananias says to the Lord, I have heard many reports about this man, and they all, all the harm he has done by your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So obviously, with good reason, Ananias had some hesitation about going to see 
this man Saul. And then the Lord says to them, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Wow. So clearly, God chooses specific people for very specific work in very specific times. And he continues to do that today. God's choice of people to share his message often surprises others. Throughout the Bible, there are so many examples of the people whom God called that were not likely not good candidates. Let's use Moses, David, and Rahab to just name a few excellent examples of unlikely people who were called by God. We are just normal people, but if God calls us to do something, we've got to step up. I'm just a normal person. God called me into these Bible studies, and I am no better than anyone else. So let's get back to the text. Ananias placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. And he got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Well, isn't it interesting that Saul was blinded for three days? Jesus was silent for three days from the cross to the resurrection. Jonah spent three days in the darkness of the belly of a fish. And as we will continue to see as we study scriptures, everything has meaning. And so the story continues after Saul's sight is returned. Verse 20 states, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All of those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So here we see that Paul didn't waste any time. He went to work immediately. His conversion caused him to dive in to his newfound belief earnestly and deeply. And people also questioned Saul's new change of heart. And I'm sure they feared he might be entrapping or tricking them. And as he continued in his zealous teaching of Christ, the verse says he became more empowered with the word of Christ. And we know this is because he was being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was blind, but now he sees, reminds us of the words from Amazing Grace. Paul's physical blindness, no doubt, allows us to understand what spiritual blindness means. God allowed Paul to be physically blind to teach him what spiritual blindness was. Even though prior to his conversion, he knew God's word from the Old Testament, but he knew nothing of the grace of God. So now let's talk about Paul's life after the conversion. And I think one of the most convincing evidences of one being changed by Christ 
is to see a complete change in behavior. Saul did a 180 in his life. He went from persecuting Christians to evangelizing others for Christ. True Christian conversion must involve a changed life that is visible to others. And here's what the scriptures say regarding Saul. Jesus calls out to Saul using his Jewish name in Acts 9.4. Ananias calls him Saul in Acts 9.17. And he is addressed by the Holy Spirit as Saul in Acts 13.2. In fact, after his conversion, he's mentioned by the name Saul 11 more times. And then finally, in Acts 13.13, there is a shift to the name Paul, which is the Greek version of Saul. And it says this verse, Now Paul and his companions set sail. The person who changes his name is not Jesus, but Luke. And it makes sense that he would have used his Greek version of his name since he was primarily reaching out to the Gentile people. Paul was one of the greatest people in all of history to impact Christianity aside from Christ himself. A former radical Jewish leader who single-handedly brought the gospel far and wide and continues today to impact our faith. And being a Greek-speaking Jew, Paul was trained and prepared to be the one to spread the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul is considered to be the first Christian apologist. And apologia is the Greek word for in defense of. And this means that he was able to take the gospel to others and to defend it clearly and concisely. Well, let's look at Paul's impact on the church, Christians, believers. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. They're called the Pauline epistles or letters. And these letters were written to help the new Christian communities overcome theological concerns and how to live a Christian life. And remember, these letters are written to the church. That's us as believers. He is not writing to the Romans or to the outside. He's only writing to his church. Paul went on three impactful missionary journeys that began the spread of Christianity outside of Jerusalem. And Paul explained the whole justification by faith doctrine, letting believers know that their faith alone would never save them. Rather than being based on the work they did for Christ, you can't only get to heaven by grace alone. You can work, 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 and that's that's wonderful if you're led to do that work and God wants you to do work for him, but that's that work is not going to save you. It's only going to be saved by faith and grace alone. So that is a, that was a huge new topic for everybody. But he was also instrumental in bringing Christianity into a universal faith. And Paul's letters laid the foundation for the belief and practices in the Christian church then and today. So your truth bomb for this section, believers must experience a change in their lives after they encounter Jesus. And so your call to action 
How has your life changed after your conversion? Do others see a radical change in your life? Is your faith visible to others? All right, well, let's look at the next section, which is Paul's purpose. And obviously, God had an important purpose for Paul's life. But who would have thought that a former legalistic, Christian-bashing tyrant would be the author of 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament? Well, God has consistently used people to spread his message, and he obviously had a plan for Paul's life. First, he was well-schooled as a Jewish scholar, and that would serve him well in this role. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, so he was well-versed in Jewish law. And then three, most likely Paul would have learned Hebrews for religious purposes and Greek and Latin for educational and commercial purposes in his trade. And this enabled Paul to be a perfect person to bring the doctrine of Jesus to the Gentiles. And I'm sure as Paul reflected on his life after conversion and was able to see the pathways that were established in his earlier life, which actually allowed him to now be used for the purpose of God, had to be mind-blowing. In our own lives, I'm sure each of us can look back at the pathways in our life and see how God has used very specific situations for His glory. And at the time, we didn't know why we were doing such things or studying such things or the preparations, but God has a plan for each of us, and He does not make mistakes. And as we get into Paul's letters to the Corinths, keep in mind that God used a flawed and sinful man to further his kingdom. So no matter how flawed our own lives are, God will and can use your life for his purposes. And the only question is, are you willing? So the truth bomb for this segment is God had a plan and a purpose for Paul's life. Your call to action is, do you know what your purpose is for the kingdom? And are you willing to step up, give up, and reach up to seek those purposes God has for your life? All right, now let's talk about the church in Corinth. So now that we understand who Paul was, we need to understand why he was so compelled to write this specific church at Corinth. Well, ancient Corinth was built at the base of a mountain in Greece, about 50 miles from Athens, and its population was about 400,000. So this was a big city, and it was very prominent center of commerce in the Mediterranean world. And because of the wealth known in this city, it was a place for all sorts of vices. And as an example of immorality was found in the temple of Venus, Aphrodite, which hosted 1,000 priestesses dedicated to prostitution in the name of religion. And because it was a port city, prostitution was rampant. And so during Paul's travels to Corinth, he saw the struggles and problems associated with the church there. And from reading the epistle, the church was adversely affected by the immoral environment found in this city. Pride caused division in the church and disruption in the services. And at the root 
of much of the immorality and idolatry in Corinth, there was a lack of appreciation for the holiness that God requires of his people. And in response to these troubling developments, Paul felt compelled to write a substantial letter to Corinth, making the case that much of their conduct was out of step with the gospel. All right, so your truth bomb for this part of the church at Corinth is the church at Corinth was in much need of correction and teaching. And your call to action is what in your life can relate to the correction and teaching from God's word? Will you be open to hearing what he has to teach you? And so in summary, we now have a good overview of Paul's life and about the problems at the church in Corinth. And we can now dive into our studies of these letters to the Corinthians, having a better understanding of the issues, knowing who Paul was and how God used him for the purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, helps us to read these letters with a bit more clarity. I believe that the lessons that we're going to find in these two letters are going to speak to us as we experience much of the strife discussed in those times. We're seeing it right now. Times may have changed, but as we shall see, man is still plagued with poor choices, living in the flesh, and of forgetting who it is that we serve. The study of the church in Corinth will remind us to seek our Lord and turn back to him in all that we do. So buckle up as we head into these two letters that hold lesson after lesson for each of us. I believe you will be blessed, encouraged, and inspired as we learn from Paul. Be sure to visit my website, drpaulamcdonald.com, click on podcast, and then exhale Bible discovery for self-study guides and resources to support you with each episode. 